This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 on a chilly Wednesday afternoon, February 28th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. The pandemic has been a boon for the pet industry. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, sales of obesity drugs are booming, and more pharmaceutical companies are heading into the market. Let's get an update from Bruce Japson, Chicago-based healthcare writer for Forbes. Bruce, thank you for joining us today. And we go via and Ozempic have been the talk of the town uh, for the last uh, couple of years or so. So it only would follow that uh, other pharmaceutical companies would try to develop an anti-obesity medication of their own. Yeah, for sure. I mean, these are now drugs that, I mean, they're out there on the market. It would be easier for um, other companies to start to develop them. You know, one day they'll be uh, generic and so forth. And we're also seeing some other side businesses too. Uh, Abbott on its most recent earnings call, you know, they sell nutritionals. Um, and so they're, they're now starting to push some of their nutritional products as, as something people should take in addition to these, these drugs, which is actually kind of cool because not everybody really needs to be on these medications. But what you're seeing here is, you know, people are hearing about them, you know, they want to lose weight. I mean, we're still in the, uh, the afterglow of the New Year's resolution crowd that, you know, before the your gyms start to weed out for the regulars. And physicians are putting people on these drugs that might not necessarily need them um, because if these drugs, as, as, as most folks should know, were originally indicated for people who were severely overweight and had diabetes. And so in addition to diet and exercise and everything that they'll tell you, um, they were taking uh, these these drugs. How does this potentially, though, change the pharmaceutical space when we start talking about second order effects? Because if uh, if if considerable results in weight loss are the result of medication, uh, what does this mean for the entire space? At large, because now you have uh, people who have lost weight and uh, are now uh, removing some of the risk factors that come with carrying around a few extra pounds. So what does that mean for the rest of the industry? If your one pill is is taking a bunch of other risk factors off the table, what happens to the medication for the risk factors? Well, yeah, that's a good, that's a really good point, too. So what you're getting at is, is if I start to take Ozembic, and I'm on um, that diabetes pill that's advertised like crazy. I can't even remember the name of it off the top of my head. Shame on me. But anyway, they if you won't need these, I think physicians will want to make sure, at least my physician would, you want to make sure that the weight loss is consistent and that it's over the time. And people who go off of these medications tend to gain the weight back. At least that's what the studies are showing. So I don't think there's going to be an impact yet to lower prescription costs. 
because there are all sorts of other medications that people who are obese tend to be on. They tend to be on, you know, maybe a blood pressure pill. They tend to be on a cholesterol drug or two. They tend to be on, you know, maybe asthma medications. But I see, but there is the potential that if folks start to lose weight and maintain the weight loss, that they won't need these other medications. And we know um, that, uh, you know, heart disease has fallen because, and, and heart deaths from heart attacks have fallen. Um, of course, people don't smoke like they used to because of medications. I mean, cholesterol pills that were came on the market 20, 30 years ago are practically in the drinking water. So there is the potential for that, but I don't think we're there yet. Um, and as far as costs go, these weight loss drugs, I had some figures from Aon, uh, which of course is based in Chicago and monitors uh, health claims for employers across the country. These weight loss drugs like Ozemic are adding more than $300 per worker to your health care costs, your employer's health care costs. That doesn't mean you're going to pay that, but your costs are going to go up. And they say that these weight loss drugs are adding a percent to the average employer's premium. And we know the employer doesn't always eat that. They pass it along to you um, in your um, form of co-pays and deductibles. So employees, co-pays and deductibles are going to rise because of these drugs. Bruce Japshin, Chicago-based healthcare writer for Forbes, thanks for joining us today. Coming up, looking behind the numbers of America's more than $100 billion a year pet industry. A deposit for your future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Pets are huge business in the U.S. The pandemic provided a big boost in numbers, and owners are ready and willing to spend a lot of money on their furry friends. Let's discuss the industry with Bob Fibbs, CEO of the Retail Doctor in New York. Bob, thank you for joining Joining us today and talk about a growth story. 11 years ago in 2013, pet expenditures were $57.8 billion. By the end of 2021, that figure was $103 billion. Was that entirely driven by the pandemic? Well, let's face it, people are using pets uh, instead of the animal out in the backyard when I grew up to the animal that's in the home in the bed, and in some cases, is taking the place of children. So it's a statement of how I think people are changing, and as well as generations are changing the relationship with the way they have pets, right? Well, I remember doing uh, multiple trend stories in 2020 and 2021 about uh, people who adopted dogs and cats uh, over the course of the COVID pandemic because uh, they were home and <laughs> what else were you going to do? You couldn't go on vacation and you really couldn't go out and do anything. So they got the dog and uh, that was that was the, 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 the fun addition to their household. And there was a lot of concern back then that uh, once it was time to go back to work and once it was time to go back to school, full-time that a lot of these pets would find themselves back at a shelter and that turned out to not be the case and it seems like there is an entire industry that's growing by leaps and bounds to accommodate this group of people absolutely you know i used to be in the coffee business and the average check was four dollars and you had to train somebody to make like 50 to 60 to 70 different custom drinks and both of us you know we were standing sitting around in an executive meeting one time it's like next time we're going to do pet collars needs no call needs no training and the sky's the limit and what we're seeing in that now is is drugs you know it wasn't that long ago that they came out with a weight loss drug for dogs and it didn't do well at all because it felt like oh well people you know have to realize that if you're giving that to the dog it's their fault not the dog but now we're going to see a whole new crop of drugs come up 
for the simple reason that we are treating our pets more like true family members and not an animal. And whether that's right or wrong, it's opening up an awful lot of markets for a lot of interesting things that uh, manufacturers and skincare companies and dog clothiers uh, can play in, right? Yeah, yours is not to question why. Uh, yours is just to make money off of them, I suppose. But when we're talking about pet medications, is that going to change um, the way we approach the, the the question of affordability for a dog or cat? I mean, now uh, when you're trying to do the math, I mean, you almost have to factor in pet insurance because of the the the, the greater sophistication of veterinary care. Well, it's interesting. You're just talking to your guest about Ozempic and how it's adding to the cost of uh, everybody's medical plans. I think the reality is as more sophisticated drugs come on. And again, we open our wallets. I think I gave my hound, who was a rescue girl from the SPCA, uh, some kind of a, a brain scan for 2000 bucks when she was acting weird. And that was, just, I don't know, six, seven years ago. The sky's the limit. We, you know, when, if you have you ever lost a dog? Oh, I, re- I mean, it was, it was, a, it was, a, it was a, it's a very sad moment. I mean, I know there, there are people who, who I've worked, who I work with here at the radio station. Uh, they have lost a dog. They have lost a cat. And even though uh, they have provided uh, years of companionship and in some cases over a decade of companionship, uh, the, the loss is very real and the sense of grief oh is God. very real. So, yes, you're going to yeah. do what it takes to make sure that your dog or cat, your, your real, your, your, your friend, can. Uh, can, can live a long and happy life. Yeah, and I, I, I grieve. I never grieved my own parents when they passed, like I did my dog, sorry to say. But it was like a week. It was tough. And, you know, I think so many times we go through and we hear all these stories about, oh, people have to scrimp and cut back, and, oh, inflation. We never hear that about pets. You never hear that about the pet food because they're not buying, you know, animal squirrel meat in a can. They're buying the best, freshest and dog bakeries and all these other things are thriving. So uh, it is interesting how those those pet purchases are almost like they go in a whole other part of your budget, right? <laughs> like, the sky's the limit versus maybe what you'd spend on yourself. But when it comes to that pet, so if you are thinking about a way that you could be making money on it, um, start thinking about the ways that we spend money on our children. I think there might be an opportunity for you uh, in 2024 and five. Bob Fibb, CEO of The Retail Doctor in New York. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, the latest chapter in the Chicago Sports Stadium saga. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The unfolding story of sports stadia in Chicago now involves the possibility of a joint financing request by the Bears and the White Sox. Let's get the latest now from Justin Lawrence, reporter, Crane Chicago business. Justin, thank you for joining us today. And uh, Governor Pritzker, when talking about the uh, ask from the White Sox, a billion dollars to build a potential stadium in the uh, South Loop at the 78 site, uh, he he said he didn't say no exactly. He just said he wasn't crazy about the idea. And uh, who's told the, the White Sox and the Bears to kind of team up on a joint financing proposal uh, to build separate facilities? Yeah, so they, the teams are hearing this from from a few state leaders, but um, specifically State uh, Senate President Don Harmon of Oak Park has told both teams, hey, you know, get together, come to us with one financial ask instead of, you know, competing deals where we have to kind of sort it out and, and decide between the two or, or come up with a deal that works for both parties. 
that is on the teams to do, not the not the state. So that's what they've been told. Now, there's been a lot of public posturing uh, on the part of the White Sox. Uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, in the uh, conversation with Greg Hines and Cranes last week, uh, said he wasn't going to move the team, but the next owner of the White Sox could without his stadium agreement. And a lot of state lawmakers were on record saying, "Fine, don't let the door hit you in the new in the in the you know what on the way out." That's what the public posturing is over asking for public financial financing for a, a, a sports stadium. Um, what, what are they saying behind closed doors? Is it, is it a little more receptive when, when you're not talking to the public? Well, I, I, don't, I don't know if they're being more receptive, but they are, uh, you know, like you mentioned with Governor Pritzker, he has been pretty dismissive of this and saying it's not his preference and that the state has many other needs uh, and priorities for, for funding. But right, he is not uh, outright outright dismiss this and, and kind of left open the possibility that if the teams come with a with a deal that they at least believe they can sell to the public and say this investment will be worthwhile then you know he's he's left that door open i i think uh the fact that state leaders are now telling the teams hey come together and, and come with one financial ask that's also a sign that they aren't outright dismissing it but uh yeah the teams have to get together and um come up with a proposal that that lawmakers can essentially sell to their constituents and to their voters and the people who could say, hey, we don't like what you did and we're going to vote you out of office. Uh, The the only other thing I wanted to note is like, so this, you know, getting together on a financial ask would be um, just the financial parts. This is is not to insinuate that, that the teams would share a stadium, right? They're still seeking out their separate stadium proposals. And in one way, I mean, Mayor Brandon Johnson has said he's open to the idea of a Chicago subsidy because, in a way, this solves two problems for him. The Bears are kicking the tires, possibly, on the Michael Reese Hospital site, which has been uh, floated as the home for a lot of things, including the 2016 Olympic Village. And, of course, uh, the White Sox would then be the anchor tenant at the 78, and you could fill in two vacant plots of land. Yeah, you could. I mean, the White Sox are, are certainly um, focused on that 78 parcel. Uh, the team, the Chicago Bears have been asked to consider um, the Michael Reese site, but they appear more interested in the in those south parking lots uh, just south of Soldier Field. So that, that kind of gets you towards the, the Michael Reese site, which maybe could be used for other things to support a stadium, right, but uh, not a stadium itself. But I think as some lawmakers have said, like this is – we are in the first inning of a very long game here, and I think there's going to be a lot of twists and turns and, and some uh, deal-making happening if they ever get to a deal. Justin Lawrence, reporter at Crane Chicago Business. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This is Chicago's news, traffic, and weather station. News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. A family from suburban Chicago ends up in an interesting place while trying to stay safe during last night's severe weather. The Supreme Court is hearing arguments in a Trump era firearms related law. Personal Finance Wednesday planning your retirement by first practicing it. And Bitcoin is on a run that puts it at a several-year high. Business, the markets are lower, slightly. The Dow is down 44 points, NASDAQ down 61, the S&P 500 is down three and a quarter. We have 26 degrees right now under mostly sunny skies at 1231, topping our news at the half hour. Cleanup is taking place in multiple communities across the area following last night's violent weather that produced high winds, hail, and tornadoes. Some of the most severe damage is being reported in North suburban Mundelein, where a two-story apartment building with 21 units suffered a partial roof collapse. Neisha McKinney lives across the street and says the storms were so terrifying that she and her family all climbed into her bathtub. It was so loud, so scary. It was something I've never heard before. It seemed like the storm split. Like, mm-hmm. we were in the middle, and it's like the storm went like this and then hit across the street and then on the other side of our building because our side of the building was the only building that was safe. The National Weather Service has teams out assessing storm damage, working to determine the number and strength of possible tornadoes. The Supreme Court has heard arguments involving a Trump-era ban on bump stocks today. The prohibition came after a gunman used rifles equipped with the accessory to kill 60 people and injure hundreds more at a Las Vegas music festival in 2017. This is United States Deputy Solicitor General Brian Fletcher. To fire a rifle fitted with a bump stock, the shooter simply places his trigger finger on the built-in finger ledge and uses his other hand to press the front of the rifle forward. As long as the shooter maintains that steady forward pressure, the rifle will fire continuously until it runs out of bullets. The law is being challenged by a gun store owner in Texas. It's 1232 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are in the red. We're joined by Tim Grisky, senior portfolio strategist with Ingalls and Snyder based in New York. Tim, thank you for joining us today. And like yesterday and the day before, it is a sell-off, but only a modest sell-off. It seems like uh, markets are once again treading water. Uh, that's right, Rob. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, markets are down, but just very modestly. Uh, and uh, that we have been through a little bit of period of profit taking here following the bulk of earnings reports for the fourth quarter. Uh, those fourth quarter reports were extremely strong and the outlooks were, were somehow somewhat muted. Uh, but I think that is companies playing the game of uh, under promising and over delivering. And then what uh, about the reaction to the PCE report coming out later this week? That is the uh, personal consumption in uh, expenditures report. That is the Fed's uh, preferred inflation gauge. Uh, have markets already priced in the fact that uh, uh, they're expecting it to maybe be hotter than initially anticipated? 
Yes, uh, the the expectations are for actually a bit of acceleration of inflation uh, in these numbers. I think that follows the CPI and PPI reports uh, of last week or so. Uh, So I think expectations are muted uh, for uh, this um, PCE report. Uh, I think that's a good thing. Uh, So hopefully we don't get a negative surprise even beyond these uh, elevated levels of inflation that we're seeing recently. And the uh, latest uh, revision of fourth quarter gross domestic product uh, from uh, at the end of last year shows that uh, the economy was a little cooler than the than the first measure. But at the same time, uh, the the now cast from the Atlanta Fed uh, has uh, first quarter GDP for 2024 running in the three percent range. So uh, is the rate of inflation uh, commensurate with economic growth? Uh, you know, I think we're getting there in terms of the level of inflation. I think, you know, what is very surprising here is how strong our economy is. Uh, and Chairman, Fed Chairman Powell uh, at the last Fed meeting indicated, uh, you know, just that, that the economy was so strong, he didn't feel the need to lower interest rates. Uh, they don't plan to increase rates either, uh, but their mantra has been higher for longer. So I think we're going to be at this higher level of rates uh, for a while here. Maybe later this year, we'll get a little bit of easing out of the Fed. Uh, but the economy is so strong, as you point out, uh, it may not be necessary. Are we in a late 1990s type of situation right now where, where unemployment is at historic lows, uh, where inflation is uh, high twos, low threes, and then you have this uh, stock market that's going great guns because of uh, technological innovation. Will, will the end of the party come when, uh, when, when, when people or businesses start to realize that, uh, that AI may not be the solution to all problems when you start to feel, once you start to get a better handle on, on what AI will do for productivity? Well, I really think that AI is going to be a major, have a major impact uh, on, on our economy. Uh, I think companies are adopting it very quickly here, uh, and I think it's it's going to have some real promise in a lot of areas. Healthcare, for instance, uh, drug discovery will just accelerate. Uh, So, you know, we don't look at AI as a problem at all. The late 90s were very different. Uh, That was, you know, tech valuations were off the top of the charts, setting records. Uh, we're nowhere near those levels now. And those companies back in the 90s weren't managed by strong executives, business executives. Now the tech companies are managed extremely well uh, and are very strong financially. So very different uh, environments. And we still think we're in a very good spot here uh, for the economy and for the markets. Tim Grisky, Senior Portfolio Strategist with Ingalls & Snyder in New York. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next in Personal Finance Wednesday, taking a closer look at your upcoming retirement by actually living it. Your daily transaction for useful information. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Personal Finance Wednesday, and this afternoon we're helping you get a better handle on your retirement by taking it for a test drive. Let's get some insight from Carolyn McClanahan, founder of Life Planning Partners, 
Partners in Jacksonville, Florida. Carolyn, thank you for joining us today. And uh, retirement is all the rage these days, at least in the Chicago area, because uh, our beloved local TV meteorologist Tom Skilling is calling it a career uh, tonight. And so uh, he's retiring, and chances are uh, some other people who are maybe on the fence are, are, are thinking, giving it a long, hard look about uh, actually uh, hanging up the gone fishing sign. But what can you do, Carolyn, to make yourself more comfortable with the idea of life beyond work? Well, it's so important for people to think about life beyond work long before they stop work. We have found that when people have a plan for what they're going to do, how they're going to spend their time, that they actually have a healthier and happier retirement. We suggest that people actually try to transition instead of quitting cold turkey. And what are, and we're talking about going from maybe uh, uh, five days a week, nine to five, to saying, well, you know, I'll, I'll become a part-time worker, uh, maybe three days a week, or you can just call on me as needed. Yeah, I think it's important to to try to work some. Don't do a call as needed because maybe they'll never call you. So you want to make sure you have some sort of plan to at least stay engaged for two to three days a week. And also, if you have a, a partner or a spouse who lives at home with you, they may not be ready for you to be home seven days a week. So <laughs> by gradually transitioning into quitting work, it just it makes it safer and happier all around. And of course, everybody should make sure they have a good financial plan going into retirement. You don't want to retire and all of a sudden figure out that you don't have enough money. So by staying financially engaged in occupation, you decrease that likelihood of running out of money too. Yeah, Carolyn, I was just going to say, I mean, we talk about retirement as a function of savings. Did you save? How how, how did you save? How much did you save? Um, how long will your savings last? But there's so much more to retirement, and that is you are upending retirement. Routines. And in some cases, these are routines that have been in place for decades. And even though you may love your spouse and may love your life partner, you also love that routine that you had and you have to get used to a new one. Right. And that's why it's important to start creating a new one before you quit. And so with a lot of our clients, what we'll do is go ahead and help them explore either volunteer opportunities, consulting opportunities. We usually start that process a year or two before somebody is officially going to hang up their original job um, plan. What is what is a good dry run for retirement outside of just having these conversations? I mean, could you take a month off maybe during the summer and just see how you like it and then uh, and then kind of uh, 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 renovate your retirement plan based on your experiences? Well, as much time as you can take off in advance is is actually ideal. I don't think there's a set amount of time because too many people have projects they put on the side that they take that month off, they get through all those projects, but they then they go back to work. Well, what are you going to do when you're done? So people, you know, they think, oh, I'm going to play more golf. Well, I can tell you people get burned out on golf. They get burned out on pickleball. And it's that's why it's so important to figure out what is it that I love doing with my time? How am I going to replace work, you know, the, all that time I spent at work with all these other activities? Carolyn McClanahan, founder of Life Planning Partners in Jacksonville, Florida. Thank you for joining us today. Join us at this time tomorrow for Technology Thursday. And still to come, updating Bitcoin and the cryptocurrency market. Investing 60 minutes each weekday for planning for the future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Bitcoin is at a level last seen in November of 2021. Let's get the latest on the cryptocurrency space from Bill Uliveri, owner of Seneca Capital Management in Glenview, the website Seneca 
chronicalcapital.com. Bill, thank you for joining us today. Bitcoin uh, jumping above 62000 for the first time in a little under two and a half years. And you know how I know that uh, Bitcoin is at a higher valuation? It was the talk of the dinner conversation at the pizza place uh, after our school's uh, daddy-daughter dance on Saturday. People were talking, uh, the other dads were talking about uh, the price of Bitcoin and the price of cryptocurrency and and wondering how uh, they can get in on it. So, uh, Bill, quick que- the first question is, uh, is it too late if you want to, uh, to, to get in on this latest uh, uh, uptick in valuation for Bitcoin? Uh, is this a good time to jump in? Oh, you know, Rob, that's a great question because honestly, I don't think it's the question should be, are we too late? The question is, we're the, the statement really is, we're just getting started. I mean, we have of 21 million Bitcoin, 19.6 million are, have already been released into the economy of Bitcoin. The ETS were just approved by the SEC. Uh, you know, maybe January 11th, I think the date was. We have more Bitcoin, uh, more money flowing into Bitcoin ETS than we do gold ETFs. And yesterday, we had 19 uh, ETFs purchase around 19,000, uh, I'm sorry, 10,500 bitcoins. That was purchased by all the ETFs, the equivalent of 10,500 bitcoin. And we have only 900 bitcoin being produced every day. And as of April 21st, that number gets cut in half to 450 bitcoin on a daily basis. So this is not the end. This is just the beginning. Now, I'm not going to say there isn't a little bit of FOMO, right, a fear of missing out out there, but uh, we, we are just beginning. I mean, if Bitcoin was a stock, it would be number eight in the S&P 500 and number eight in the NASDAQ 100. It has, a, it has almost greater than um, uh, Facebook and Google in terms of market cap. So I, the word, we're at the beginning of this new paradigm of investing, both with AI and Bitcoin. And I am living my best life. I mean, my email has been blowing up. Our Bitcoin gold strategy is killing it this year. We're doing great. So right now we have the wind at our back, and I think it's going to be that way for a while. Now, if, if, the, if the whole idea of, of how Bitcoin is created and derives value is very confusing, if the discussion about Bitcoin mining and, and blockchains and digital ledgers uh, uh-huh. just you know, make your head spin, uh, but you still want to get some exposure to the space, um, it's probably via the ETF route, which, as you mentioned, was recently approved by the SEC. That's correct. Um, there's a, a, approximately 14 to 20 different exchange-traded funds that you can get invested in in your IRA or your 401k. Honestly, I like the ones that have been around for a while, quote-unquote, you know, the earlier ones rather than the new ones that have come on by Fidelity or BlackRock, just for philosophical purposes, you know, wanting to stay with the, the person that brought me to the dance. And there's other ETFs that explore uh, Bitcoin mining, cryptocurrency mining, and, and things like that. So investors and speculators need to do their homework and their due diligence before investing. But there are some really, really interesting uh, ETFs out there that actually pay a, de- a decent yield because 50% of the position is in Bitcoin futures at the mercantile, and the other 50% of the assets are invested in U.S. Treasuries, which you know are paying like five and a quarter percent. So you can get exposure to Bitcoin in a combination of, of ways, and the ETF route is one way of doing that, and that's what we're, we're really specializing in. Bill Uliveri, owner of Senecal Capital Management in Glenview. Find him online, SenecalCapital.com, talking about uh, the rise in valuation of Bitcoin once again. If you missed any part of today's show, just go to our stream and skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app. 
We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Oh, 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 Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.